Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 72 of the Audible Farm Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. You can go to their website and check it out, www.couchtowncoffee.com. Find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do make an order, make sure you tell them Audible Farm sent you, and they will take 20% off of your order Wow, it's 20% off your order for coffee shipped directly to your house. It's some of my favorite coffee I have ever had, and that's not an exaggeration. This coffee is amazing. I highly suggest everybody check it out, and uh, while you're checking it out, save 20%. Uh, Thanks, Couchtown. Make sure you enter the code word this week. The code word this week is JIVE. JIVE, that is correct. JIVE is the code word this week. It will save you 20% on your order. And uh, that's awesome. So make sure you enter the code word JIVE to save 20% off your order at www.couchtowncoffee.com. Thanks, Couchtown. Oh, man. The code word this week is JIVE. We'll get to that in just a second. I do want to let everybody know that there is a Rockin' Picnic Winter Party 2020 coming up. It is February 22nd, 2020. That is easy to remember. 2-22-2020. It's going to be an awesome show. It is at Rustics in Humboldt, Iowa. 2-22-2020. Show starts at 8. The band is J. Clyde Band. They're awesome. I highly suggest everybody check it out. The Rock and Picnic summer parties are awesome. I don't expect the winter party to be any different. So check that show out. Oh, man. So we were talking jive earlier. Why is the code word jive? Well... I am sitting down with one of the members of Jive for Five, uh, Rockestra, and, uh, you know, actually, uh, Kathy was the first person that ever taught me anything about music. So hats off to Kathy for starting me on this wild ride of, of what we all know and love as this awesome hobby of music. I really appreciate it. Uh, Kathy was the fifth and sixth grade music instructor in Humboldt for uh, quite some time. And it was it was kind of fun. One of her first couple years in there, I was one of the first classes she taught. And uh, we have a fun time sitting down, reminiscing, talking about what got her into music, how she got good at it. Um, you know, it's no secret. It takes time and practice. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. We talk about all that kind of stuff. All sorts of good things come out of this podcast. I had a really fun time sitting down talking with Kathy. Uh, I want to say thanks straight away to Kathy for taking some time out of her day to sit down with me. I caught her in between a couple of lessons and such and uh, a couple of meetings she's had. So awesome awesome stuff. I really, really appreciate, uh, Kathy, you know, sitting down with me. Uh, she's, she's still busy. She's still doing, doing lessons in Fort Dodge. I got, I got links to all that below. We talk about it in the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. I sit down with the first person that ever taught me anything about music, Kathy Yoakum. This one's going to be great. Check it out. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Today, I'm sitting down with Kathy Yoakum. And Kathy, um, believe it or not, you were the first person ever to teach me anything about music at all. You were my first band instructor in uh, fifth grade, it would have been... uh, 
and you were slightly new to the area at that time, if I recall correctly. So what year did you come? Oh, did you start? Gosh, um, now you're asking me these. Uh, was it like '99 or 2000? Yeah, yeah, it was right around. Yeah, then you would have been either my first or second class. Oh wow! So <laughs> I've, I'm glad you stuck through it, and my, my class was not necessarily the easiest class <laughs> no, to deal with. No, you. Yeah, <laughs> I will admit to that. No. Um, I don't think you were bad. I don't really remember, but <laughs> well, you're not one of them that stands out as far as behavior, that's for sure. <laughs> good, good. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though. Like uh, When I first learned music, I didn't really know what was going on. I had no clue um, anything about notes. My sister played piano growing up, so I knew mm-hmm. a little bit about you know music a little bit, but she took lessons from you know first, second grade in piano, so she mm-hmm. had plenty of knowledge going up to... Um, in our school, fifth grade was usually the first year they publicly taught mm-hmm. instruments, mm-hmm. you know, as far, and, unless you talk about recorder, which e- I don't know if that counts. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. All right. So it counts. So maybe, you know, I've, I've had a little bit, but recorder doesn't really count as far as I'm concerned. I learned trumpet um, with you in mm-hmm. the fifth grade band at uh, in Humboldt. And it was one of those things where I was, it was really challenging for me at first because I didn't necessarily understand what was I don't know. I didn't understand how much practice it actually took to get good at doing something, you know? Right, right. And uh, I guess that now that I am a guitar lesson instructor of sorts, I give lessons on the side to to people as like a freelance type deal. But I'm I'm actually like realizing that that is a, a common issue um, as right. far as learning things. For a lot of kids, I think it's hard to take the instrument home and practice when parents have these different schedules for work and then maybe they go to after school care or something like that it's just really hard to get kids to practice with certain home situations yeah I mean that makes sense because I mean if thinking about it from my perspective I was like I'm bad at this trumpet which is probably one of the loudest instruments you can be bad at and then I have to sit in my parents house and bother them with this horrible sounds you know they were beautiful notes (laughs) (laughs) well bless you that's that's one of those things I'm also learning about uh teachers is now that I am doing a little bit of instructing on my own is like how patient you guys actually are with you know children or any individual you're teaching you know well with music it's just fun to see it see the students when it clicks and and they start getting it. You know, those first... Do you remember the first time we had band? Um, no, probably not. Hit me with it. What's the story? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> if you picture 70, 80 new people, new kids with their instruments, all of a sudden they're trying to blow notes at the same time. And you know, you know what kind of comes out of that horn. Um, you just walk, as a teacher, you just walk out and go, that was beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were getting sound. Anybody walking by might go, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, but as a teacher, you're going, okay, they were getting good breath, you know, and they were doing fingerings, maybe not near at the same time as everybody else, but, you know, you look for those positive things. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Because, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, like you said, it might sound atrocious, but to, but to you knowing that this is the first time these people have ever sat down all together and tried mm-hmm. to play something cohesively, like... I bet you have a very, very different grading scale on that, where it's like, this is actually really good for you guys, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't understand how good it is. Right. What I should have done, and I thought about it years later, is at the beginning of the year, recorded that first 
class and then have them play it when they're seniors at graduation or something like that. That would have been brilliant. (laughs) I know. You think of these things too late. Yeah. All right. So I ran out of battery, everybody. My bad. Um, We're going to try this. Try this again. So you were talking about like possibly recording the first um, performance the kids ever did and playing it back for them when they were seniors or something like that. You know, is there anything else like that that you've you thought about um, as far as, you know, it's you. How long did you end up teaching? Let me ask you that. I have a total of 32 years, Okay. but I, I taught 22 here. Okay. And then, so it's, I'm assuming 10 prior to coming here then? Yes. I taught elementary music K-12, no, excuse me, K-6. And then I taught high school band for half of that time. Um, yeah, 9-12. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I've done it all. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds. But I landed where I really wanted to be, you know, when I got my job here it was I never went to work thinking oh my gosh I have to go to work you know what I I get to get up and do music all day yeah you know what that's like yeah um I mean it's not me playing necessarily and sometimes I did play with the kids but you know it's just fun all day long and you go home and then you go do your gigs and then you do it all over again the next day yeah and I mean your job's not just as simple as showing up with 90 kids in a room and just waving a stick and that's it like you got to do lessons all day long with everybody and and the whole nine yards and I'm assuming I mean I'm just going to assume I'm I'm assuming you know how to play most instruments or all yeah I know I know how to play everything all right so you were even strings I did that in college like all band directors have to oh dang um right now um Sarah my daughter is playing ukulele and I just bought a tenor ukulele for me and so I'm giving myself lessons that's so fun that's so fun I'll have to ask you about one of the chords because I can't get my finger to do it (laughs) (laughs) you know and that's like the weirdest thing ever if if you would have told me when I was in fifth grade taking lessons with you on the trumpet for the very first time and as much trouble as I was having, um, if I would be like here in the position I am today where I'm actually like sort of good, you know, I actually enjoy playing music and practicing. Right. Well, on that's my own. the whole goal of music is to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people don't understand that you learn how to do something, you can do that whenever, mm-hmm. even when you're older. Yeah. I have adult students now that are taking piano lessons from me, and I love it. That's that's awesome. As a matter of fact... You always wanted to, so let's go. That's probably my favorite thing as far as giving lessons. I gave lessons at the guitar shop that was in town here for mm-hmm. a while, and like one of my students was um, like 80-ish year old lady oh, that was nice. that was retired. Her husband had passed away. She was probably 60. You just don't have, you can't relate to what old is. <laughs> don't do this to me. No, <laughs> no, she, she was, I, I saw that guy sitting out there. Um, yeah, but this lady was like a little bit older and her, her husband had died and she had, she would go back and forth in the wintertime down, uh, down South and come back up. And she said, well, when I go down South, there's these, these people that go up there and they play in these jam nights mm-hmm. and we just sit there and we watch them. And somebody says, we're playing this song. It's in this key. Go for it. And, she wanted to figure out how to do it, so what I what I had her do was um, get a hold of one of the guys that uh, played music down there that she knew, and said, "Just send up a list of songs. We'll we'll teach you a few of these songs right. in in, awesome. the, in the key that they're you know doing them in. So at least you have something prepped up, and you can go down there and play with them if you want to. I mean, in the course of a year, she was good enough to play whole songs, you know. Right, right. And it was it's the most wild thing to think that um, 
never had any musical training at all. You know, um, as an adult, I'm sure that um, older people when they were younger had more musical training um, in school. It seems like they probably did. I remember seeing pictures of my grandpa with like uh, guitar in school mm-hmm. where it's like they taught guitar in school and that went away and now it's starting to come back. But she was one of my best students and that was one of my, my favorite things where I realized like, oh, anybody at any age can do this. There's right. no There's no age limit. There's no... There's no talent scope. There's no, um, no excuses really. You know, if you want to do it, you're going to go do it. And that was probably one of the most fun lessons I'd ever given. And as far as like opening my eyes to mm-hmm. who actually enjoys music and, right. and what they do to do that. So, I mean, that was, that was really fun for me. And I, I mean, my, my relationship with you is you taught me when I was a lot younger and, and now you don't necessarily teach in a public school system. You do private lessons. Right. If is, okay, I'm correct on that one. Where do you do your private lessons at? Um, I teach at McSweeney School of Performing Arts in Fort Dodge. I, I teach, I have three-year-olds all the way to, I think my oldest student right now is in their late 40s. Cool. But yeah, so I have around 26 students. Jeez. So looking for more, um, anything from piano to general, actually the little kids, we do a little bit of everything, general music. Um, and it's fun to see these adults come back after they've started lessons, maybe when they were little, and then you kind of drift away. But it's it's fun when they come back to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's fun to work with them. What do you think, uh, let me ask you this, what do you think the most difficult thing to teach a younger person music-wise is? Because sometimes you said that the you don't necessarily just teach them one specific instrument, you teach mm-hmm. them general music. Mm-hmm. So what would be like the hardest thing for them to grasp? I mean, I've, um, I've got something in my mind that I'm guessing, but I want to hear what you think it is. Um, just reading the notes. Yeah. And there's so many things that happen when you try to play piano or, oh, gosh. or the mallets. Um, we do a lot of, I, I found this new thing with my little kids, it's color-coded songs okay so the little three-year-olds we it would be like mary had a little lamp say and it'll be in colors and then i have color coordinated coordinated um instruments and when they can when they do that and then they realize they just played a song it's really cool oh that makes total sense yeah yeah, and then we go from that straight over to the piano where i've marked the same colors and then they play it on the piano and we kind of do this loop every lesson and add a little bit more each time but I think reading notes on the staff they don't really understand Mm -hmm. you know because by the time you get through sixth grade you know you've started learning how to read notes but then you know if you're not in band and you're not in chorus then you you don't learn any more than that. So I think that's a hard thing. Steady beat is huge. Yeah. Um, that's when it's easy, they go fast when it's hard. Oh, it's slow, you know, yep. trying I've, to I've def- keep that going. A lot of times I play with them and keep going, keep going, yep. you know, don't let them stop and pause. So that, that is actually probably the, the hardest thing I had. I've found to, to teach individuals is keeping a steady beat. Right. I, I would definitely think, I mean, even as far as, uh, adults that want to learn it's kind of wild to think that uh i mean i've tried to relay it to people like try and snap on the beat with me or clap with me on the beat right. or whatever and, and it's kind of weird how many people can't even do that you right know? And you know i i always thought it was odd that you know we all you know marching band mm-hmm. we're all marching down the street we all start on the same foot but by about six beats people are off yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't understand that. <laughs> so I, sometimes I wonder maybe some people's ha- people have it and some people just don't, it's not in them. Maybe that I don't know. Be. It's teachable, but you know, there's that God given gift of, yeah. 
of music. Yep. You know, yeah. so I mean and I'm talking about like I'm I'm okay at keeping good time and nice rhythm and tempo and keeping it all, you know, in this nice little pocket. But then mm-hmm. you start you were talking about natural ability. Well, if you take natural ability and teachability and you combine them and you put it into a drummer, then you're talking tempos and rhythms that are insane that I can't even digest with my brain, you know? Right. Because some of those people are doing crazy stuff. They you, are. Mm-hmm. You playing the drums? Um, I don't have any drum students right now, but I, you know, played along with the kids as they were learning. Mm-hmm. You play have you ever played a whole kit? I have a little bit, yes. Okay. Um, I usually, well, I don't have one, obviously, but, you know, not so much with the fifth and sixth graders, though, because usually we started that in seventh grade, but, you know, every once in a while I would go play, but not my forte, but that's okay. I I know how to teach it. Yep. Yeah, I I don't know enough to teach anybody anything on drums, but I know enough to be able to play along with things and have fun. And that's like right. the only reason I bought a drum set was pretty much just so I could throw on some headphones and and beat some stuff up for a little while. You <laughs> true, know? true. You know, and it uh, you know it's, it comes back to you, you don't have to be the best at something in order to enjoy playing it. Absolutely, that's, that's, pro- that's true. Probably like the the golden or the silver lining around this gray cloud of of music is it took me so long to realize that I didn't have to be the best at something like recently I saw something on the internet where it was, uh, I want to make art, but I don't want to practice making art. I just want it to be good, you know? Right. And, right. and there's that whole middle ground. You just, everybody wants to skip it. And right. And right. You have to put in the time and the effort. Yes. You know, and very truthfully, very few make it to the top. Oh gosh. And that leaves all the other 99%. We just enjoy it. Yeah. I, and exactly. And that's okay. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with just sitting down and enjoying some music. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> I have, I mean, in the last three or four years, I've, I've gotten decent at guitar. I've gotten good enough to be a passably um, good guitarist, I guess. Um, I'm right in that thick, meaty part of the curve now where, mm-hmm. where it's, I, I know what I'm doing. But um, as far as people like, you know, I always call it like shredding, playing lots of notes really fast and then sweet picking and doing all sorts of arpeggios and stuff like that. Like, it, I, I realized how much practice it took to get to as good as I was, mm-hmm. you know, and now. Right. And then I see these other people doing this other stuff. And I'm like, man, those people must have put in some outrageous amounts of time Absolutely, to get as good yeah. as they got, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's something a lot of people don't necessarily um, wrap their heads around. I, I know, like, when I, like I'm going to come back to this a lot. Like, when I was younger, I saw how good people were. And I was like, this shouldn't be that hard if this person can do it. You know, anybody mm-hmm. should be able to do it, right? You know, but I never took into account, like, oh, this person's 15, 20 years older than I am. This person right. has that many more years of practice involved than I do, you know? And, and that was also like going to jam nights. I realized that where you'd start to see some of these older guys up there jam and it's like, God dang, these guys are good, you know? But it's yeah. like, how'd they get so good? Well, they just took the time and practice and they enjoyed doing what they were doing. And right. I mean, a lot of that was not comparing yourself to somebody else. Um, did you ever have any like doubts like that as far as like playing instruments or were you always like really no. driven to practice? And No, I, I always was, I always loved music. I, I took piano, you know, growing up, you know, and then I went to college. Funny thing that no, that many, not many people know about me is I was a athletic. I was very athletic in okay. high school and in college. Um, I went to college and I didn't know what I wanted to be a PE coach mm-hmm. or a music major. I loved them both equally at that time, but. I got my scholarship in music, so I went the scholarship route with music, mm-hmm. and I made the right choice, but I still, you know, played softball and basketball at college for a couple of years. Oh, cool. So 
you know, I still got to do both. Where'd you go to college at? Well, I went to Waldorf for two years because basically our family, everybody had to go there. Um, and then I went transferred to Iowa State. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, you said you were good at playing uh, sports and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, like what you said, base, no, softball. I played softball. I was at either shortstop or outfielder. Oh, um, dang. Yeah, one year at Waldorf, I was the only person that went the whole season without an error. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. Um, just sports? Just like, oh, uh, yeah, sports. Um, I, you know, and I played basketball um i was a guard it wasn't it was six on six back then oh yeah was that and the, then, the half court was yes that, okay yeah i fouled out every game they was <laughs> like they were not gonna get past me it was funny but sounds like um, me in basketball i wasn't yeah. the best <laughs> and then i ran track i did the 800 and mile oh gosh yeah oh my gosh i uh my freshman year in high school we had a very short-staffed track team i think there was like I mean, at Humboldt, I, I'm being honest, I think there was like 13 people on the track team, on the boys' mm. track team. You try and fill out a whole event with that, you end up putting people in events they don't normally go in. So I'm throwing shot put running the 800, you oh know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was no spring chicken uh, lightweight when I was in high school. So it was, that was one of those deals that an 800, anybody that can run an 800... Uh, hats off you know it's it's not easy to sprint for half a mile <laughs> yeah no i don't no. think they sprint <laughs> no and i i but never did very good i was always one of the people in the back half of the pack you know and it's, i was it's i was okay i would get a medal you know oh, but not i think i only won once <laughs> but you know you're right there with the rest yeah so gosh that's crazy i guess i never knew you played sports growing up i uh i mean what you don't think i look athletic no come on i didn't say that <laughs> funny but that's uh you know that's one of those crazy things though is like i only know you for the most part as being like my instructor when i was when i was younger growing mm -hmm. up and and there's so much more to you than just being a like an elementary school teacher you know um you you've done stuff um freelancing on the side right. playing music in different groups and things like that mostly with the french horn i'm assuming right um, almost yeah everything is playing horn all right um i play in the fort dodge area symphony cool principal horn in that i'm principal horn in the carl king band in Prin fort dodge. principal horn being first, that means first chair first chair okay all the solos stuff like that okay um nice i play in my favorite group jive for five yep with fellow band directors we've played together for probably 15 years yeah that's yeah. And that's a really cool one um whether or not you're gonna say it i'll say it you guys iowa rock and roll hall of fame and jive for five actually i'm not no funny thing i played in a group in sioux city um called rockestra it's that where was the one that and i, I, and I made it into the rock and roll hall of fame with that group there um you they, go. it was the coolest thing that was a full orchestra and a band. Okay. With guitar players, everything. We played rock and roll. Oh, no way. So, funny thing with my group, you know, here you have Tim Miller, fantastic trumpet player, Dan Cassidy, trombone, amazing, Paul Bloomquist and Dave Swaroff, but the horn player gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty wild. I mean, I have to tell you, all like I have is a little certificate, though. But <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, it it takes a lot to get into the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They don't just uh, let anybody in there willy nilly. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times, it has to be uh, something so grandiose uh, that it was breaking ground. Yeah, it was adding two completely opposite types of music 
together. Yep. And, and it's it's either that or it's longevity. Those are pretty much the, right, the two right. ways you're going to get in there. Absolutely. And the longevity is like 20 or 25 years or something in the music scene. It's, it's Or more. It's <laughs> pretty wild. So, I mean, it's not... Uh, it's not uncommon to see people that have been in there, but at the same rate, it's you're I'm if I was going to get in there, good luck. You know, it's one of those types of deals. It's uh it's a crazy thing and it's a uh, quite an honor, honestly. Like how did all that go down? Did you go to like a ceremony or is there any sort there of There was a ceremony, but it um I did not get to go to it. It was kind of just the the director of it. Okay. So there was like somebody directing this giant yes, group of people yes, doing all this stuff. Yes. How did all that come about? Did like is it was it um, one person's brainchild or did a yes. handful of you sit down? John or? Lubke um, was a music teacher in Sioux City area, and he'd had this idea for a long time, and then he started piecing things together, getting people, you know, together, and then it kind of went on from that. That's wild. So did he write all the scores for it and stuff like that? Or um, did- well. We did, he did arrangements. We also had a, you know, there's a lot of music teachers in this group because, you know, if you want high quality, you have to have the ones that are put in the time, like you were talking yep, about. Yep. Um, mostly, I maybe all band directors, orchestra, you know, vocal directors, we had singers, everything. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it was great fun. But, you know, we put that together, you know, worked hard. I was kind, I kind of went in at the last minute to play the one rehearsal and the concert but mm-hmm. you know it was it was fun so great you, fun so you I pra- w- a lot of this was you practicing on your own and then one rehearsal and a concert then for the most part yes oh that's pretty wild um they you know most of the time though to be honest i didn't see the music until i got there yeah uh, that's another thing you, though I, like, i'm a ringer yeah like as as good as you are at sight reading that's another thing that blows my mind was mm-hmm. the ability to I mean, like, I have to, you were talking about reading notes on a staff, mm-hmm. and I have to, like, stare at it and think about it a lot to get the rhythms out of things. That's right. always been my hardest thing with reading notes on a staff, is picking out the proper <laughs> rhythm. Absolutely. If I can hear it once, usually I can duplicate it with no problem, but if you gave it to me dry and were just like, look at this and play it the way it, it's written, it's it's not always the easiest for me. So that's, that's I mean, kudos to you for that, because that's something I never perfected and got very good at Mm -hmm. um as i can do it with a guitar i guess if you put chord names above lyrics and things like that i can do it on the fly that way but i guess maybe that just comes back down to practicing it you know maybe i didn't practice enough of it on a on a staff level with like a trumpet or something like that um you know it's 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 pretty crazy to think about that too though that like uh you could go in there with uh seeing the music beforehand and not practicing with the whole group and then actually go up and, and be able to pull it off. I mean, granted you guys are all, um, some of the best at your craft in the state for doing that. But, uh, I've got a tiny little bit of experience doing that where, uh, I've got a metal band I'm in called unity. And that's mostly what we do is we, we set everything down to a click track and everybody practices to this click track where it has the tempos and all of the background music that, is involved with it that's mm-hmm. not your part so you play along to that and if everybody plays along to this and has it down pat when we show up we should be able to it, play it should it. work yes should work and it usually does work out pretty right. well which is which is pretty awesome <laughs> you know but the first couple times i did that it was so nerve-wracking it was like here's the music can you practice it in a month and then show up to a, a rehearsal and i was like, yeah i can definitely do that so we show up to the rehearsal and they're like all right we got a show in a month do you want to play the show and it's like yeah it's like all right we're gonna do one more rehearsal before the show and i'm just sweating bullets like <laughs> oh no this is 
this I'm so nervous and I mean I actually recorded my first show with Unity and you can see that I don't move like an inch when I'm on stage. <laughs> You're just staring at I'm, the I'm so, music. Yeah, I'm just so intensely involved with what I'm doing. Like I can't mess this up. I gotta think about this so hard and right. I mean there's a couple videos of me playing with Unity uh later shows where I, I loosen up a little bit, but is that does that ring any bells to you? Is that something like do you ever get nervous when somebody shows you like okay sit down here we're gonna play all this sheet music here for the first time for a concert? Do you ever get nervous or is that something well, that you've? Of got? course I get nervous. <laughs> you know you want to do your best all the time. Um, I guess the only time I get nervous is when you're pl actually when my husband's in the audience. That's, <laughs> he, he makes me nervous for some reason. Ooh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh, but you know it's. You just you just do it. Yeah, I'm sure that's something that you've done enough of that you're probably just yeah. pretty used to it by now, you know? You know, it's, it's like when you're, like if my music's really high, that's, on horn, it's hard to actually hit the pitches, you know, because it's such a hard instrument and the harmonics are really, and harmonics are really close, um, you know, just hoping you hit that high note and something not dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> At least keep it in the same key if you're going right. to hit something. <laughs> and that was also probably like, I mean, this is going to be weird for people that have never played a uh, brass wind instrument. Mm -hmm. um, but um, as far as like, you know, you got to purse your lips together and blow through this little tube type mouthpiece, <laughs> you know, and, and that was like the hardest thing for me to learn growing up. Learning how to buzz. Buzz, yes, buzzing. And then you do the, like the little, you take the mouthpiece out and you do the siren buzz to yeah. see how high mm -hmm. up you could go and how low you could go and stuff. But then when you start uh, playing notes, um, if you leave all of your fingers open on a trumpet, you can play like a low C, a G, a high C. Very good, you and, remember. I mean, you can you can keep going, you can keep going all the way up, and the open notes get closer and closer together right. because of the way the instrument's built. So, like the higher up I would go, the more difficult time I would have hitting the correct pitch. Right. And that's uh, that's easily understandable for me. I hope everybody else that's listening can kind of understand it. But uh, that was easily the most difficult thing for me was going up above. The middle, that middle C, any higher than that, it was just kind of like, oh, it's getting kind of hairy up in here, you know, like, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's another crazy thing though. I think about was I was talking with somebody in a band, they had a trumpet in their band and I was talking with them about some of the stuff they were doing. And I was like, man, I remember more of this trumpet stuff than I thought I did. You know, I could, I could still play chromatic scale C to C and I can still play all, you know, a concert C scale and or concert B flat. You well, know. good. Cause that's what you had to learn in fifth <laughs> yeah. and sixth grade. Yeah, that's all I had to learn. Shoo! Yeah. <laughs> I did but, my job. Yes. But you know, it's kind of wild how much that stuff sticks with you. Do you ever talk to any other students and be like, I can't believe I still remember all this stuff. You know? Um, yeah, not very often, but, um, yeah, they'll come back and we'll talk about it. You know, my, my own kids, I had six kids and they were all in music and yes, I did make them. <laughs> no, they, they wanted to for the most part. Um, you know, at their graduation sometimes, they, they kept all their music from fifth grade until high school, you know, and would stack them on the table, you know. We'd mm -hmm. talk about, oh, remember when we played that song? We thought it was so hard. And, you know, it's <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think, um, as far as being a teacher, what do you think the hardest instrument to teach somebody else is from your perspective? Um, I Probably guess the horn, French horn. French horn. Is that just because you got to put the your The intervals are so... No, the hand isn't what makes it um, hard. It's the enharmonics are so close together that you can play almost every, almost every note in a C scale open 
by using your buzz oh, wow. by your lips. So it's it's hard. they either it's weird. You either have you either are good at horn or you're not so good. Yeah. It, it, you know, there's kind of no medium because you either get it or you don't. Mm-hmm. You have to have an extremely good ear to be able to play that. I also think oboe and bassoon are hard oh, also. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was in school, we had somebody that that learned the oboe, and they they played the oboe in like f- I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. It was somewhere in there. Uh, but uh, the gist was, it was like we don't necessarily teach these instruments. We can, but if if you want to learn it, we'll do it. But we you know kind of recommend doing something else. Lucky for this person, they had private lessons before coming into fifth grade, so they already okay. knew what they were doing. Uh, a yeah, little bit. for the most part, some of those hard instruments that I just talked about, um, you, you th- learn a little bit about them from their music teacher and find out who has a really good ear. And sometimes for those instruments, you have to be a little bit quirky because mm-hmm. it is an odd sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's <laughs> really oval, cool oval when you get really good and that blends in with everything, but, you know, you have to be kind of quirky and not be afraid to make different sound. Yeah, I was I was actually talking recently with somebody um, in a podcast, uh, Justin Comer, and he was he's in a band with somebody, and that's like one of the instruments in the band. Because cool. they have a bassoon, and they he's like, well, it's kind of hard to mic this thing up because not all the sound comes out. Because like it's not all comes out the top, and it doesn't all come out like the sides or the holes and stuff. So you got to kind of mic it up in weird fashions. Mm-hmm. He always he said it was like one of the more difficult ones to mic up usually. Right. And uh, he said you know you start stacking some effects on it and things like that, and you get this really goofy sound to come out. And that's <laughs> that's more what he was into as experimental music. Right. So so I, I think it would lend itself to that. But you're right in saying that like most horns generally kind of have the same sound and most you know like a saxophone and a clarinet aren't the same but they're kind of sort of close-ish you know but like a bassoon is you know it it makes a tone that's the same as or the same pitches as trombone you know baritone Mm -hmm. um so you kind of set sit them by them and then it kind of blends together oh that makes sense is there let me ask you this then that's gonna sound this might be a stupid question. Is <laughs> is there any correct or incorrect way to organize a band sitting in front of you? Like I remember with us for the most part it was like clarinets are on the left and right. tr- the trumpets are up on the left and and trombones are over on the right and, and tubas are up there kind of in the middle, middle on the right, you know, and something like that. Flutes are in the front. Yep. Is there any saxophones behind them, horns in the middle? I, I generally get the gist of you want the woodwinds in the front cuz it probably doesn't carry as well. But is there any is there any rhyme or reason, or was it just somebody set it up that way and every band instructor since then chose it you know, that way? It's, it's always been that way with a few variations with different teachers, but, you know, you want to build from the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, it's, I don't, I, and that's just something. If, I, if you're low people, like your trombones and tubas, if they're not good, it's, you don't have that bottom that makes the good tone of the band, mm-hmm. so. You really work hard from the bottom. Yeah, um, and that maybe that's why you want to stick those people kind of closer to the center, so it comes out in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I I always tried to think about like the weirdest stuff like that, like um, as far as like the drums are always in the back. That makes sense because the percussion travels the best, and I, I assume a lot of it just has to do with how well the sound would travel um, around, uh, like in an auditorium or, right. or any given situation. Um, how about like something like that compared to marching band? 
Um, so you're marching down the street. Would you do the same organization with like woodwinds in the front, horns in the back, and for the most part, but drums. Drums. Different people have had drums in the middle. They have them at the end. Um, we usually had them at the end of the the grouping into the band. That makes that makes sense now. Uh, marching band. I'm, now I'm like flashing back to watching parades as a youngster. You would always hear all the horns and everything go by, and then you'd hear all the drum cadence as mm-hmm. they were last passing. Right. That actually sounds pretty cool. So I like that. That uh, that makes sense. Uh, we were talking a little bit about drums earlier. Uh, I mean. You and Tim Miller were the two teachers at the middle school, middle school, I guess you would call it now. Um, I mean, elementary school through junior high when I was growing up, but it's the same concept. Um, And I always think like who wrote or you you weren't necessarily a drum teacher, even though you taught the drums, you knew how to do it. You were, you were very well capable of doing it. But as far as like try toms or something like that, like how... How does somebody go about, I mean, I'm sure it's not much different than learning. Well, on the music, it shows, you know, low, medium, high. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a quad, there's four quad, different yep. ones. And then, you know, you had the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we would teach with circles on the floor. Oh, okay. You know, and then, you know, we then once they got that, we'd put them on the quad. And they'd, from, because it's little to loud, or excuse me, little to big so mm-hmm. they knew which ones to hit yeah okay that makes sense um I, I remember like my sister growing up played uh saxophone barry sax mm-hmm. and i mean just pretty much anything that anybody put in front of her because that was how she, that was how she rolled but she played like uh tri toms and quad toms and things mm-hmm. like that and i remember her practicing like like you said with paper plates on the floor right and that was how she did it so she didn't have to be loud and bother people and well and yeah like and that. you can't take the quad or the tri tom home mm-hmm. so that's how we, they practiced that that makes that makes sense. I guess the hardest part would be to transfer um, like the recoil of the drum itself, as opposed to you're playing on a paper plate on a carpeted floor. It doesn't True. bounce. True. It doesn't or anything, bounce. You know? Yeah. So that might be the hardest part to learn, um, as far as some of that goes. I I mean I usually the people that we put on it, we specifically picked. Yeah, that's you it, know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally get you. That that was one. Maybe of your, you're better. Yeah, that was one of my like my sister. She was pretty talented music wise. So that was something that she always got to do kind of fun stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't based on the fact that she wasn't good at doing what she currently was doing. It was, we need somebody to do this. Do you want to do this? You know, right, that, right. that's kind of, but she also, like I said, had, had piano teachings growing up and, and things like that. Um, here's another question for you. So a lot of people, okay. if you want to learn like uh, drums uh, going into like fifth and sixth grade and things like that, um, they, a lot of times they recommended you learn piano first. Is that literally right. just to teach people, that rhythm that we were talking about earlier? Well, there's more to playing drums than playing the drum set. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard concept to tell some parents, you know, so there's reason for it. We need them to be able to do everything, the mallets to the snare drum, to the drum set. But we Mm -hmm. have to make sure that it's really good that they have the experience reading notes and stuff like that, because unfortunately the music books that we get to teach with um, the drummers start like with 16th, eighth notes, 16th notes, like a year ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have any experience, they can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, uh, you know, and that was something else. I always wanted to learn the drums, but at the same rate, like, I mean, in my small minded kid mind, I was just like, I just want to like beat on the snare drum and be right. loud, you know, and, and do all that stuff. And it doesn't seem like it's that hard, but I never. I don't know, when you would show somebody, like, the music for the drums, like, oh, you guys are playing, like you said, you're playing, like, 16th notes and stuff like that. And I'd, 
I'm playing trumpet. And the, You're playing whole notes. Whole, yeah, I'm playing whole notes. And the toughest thing I got is like two quarter notes tied together, you know, and like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, I got to switch, but not stop playing. And, you know, just I, it's, it is kind of fun to think about that stuff, how everybody's journey is just a little bit different as far as, as learning music. Is there like an easier path to take to learn music that you would like guess or venture? Or is it literally just putting you have in, to put in the time in the time? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, obviously like we talked about, there might be some people who are a little bit, um, better or more apt or like uh, gifted to do those kind of things. Um, do you think that in your family having like a parent that uh, taught music, helped your kids learn music better or realize that it was more attainable to be that good or to see your practice uh, capabilities and the fact that like, see, like I have to practice too, just like everyone else right. does. We're like, me too. Uh, just for example, like I would go home, my parents don't play instruments, mm-hmm. so they don't practice instruments, you know? So like, I was just, I just didn't want to do it. It was just something that felt like a bother. It was so far out of the norm for me, even though I'd see my sister playing piano and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, in our family, for the most part, you know, since I was a teacher and my kids were in, in my class, you know, I'd have to stay after later anyway to, for, because I was a teacher, so I'd make them practice their instruments, you know. Um, as far as piano, most, I think all of them took at least for a while, you know, I'd, I was one of them that made them practice, you know, and then they saw the benefits of it and all did well. Did you teach all your own uh, kids or were like piano wise or did they go somewhere else and learn piano? Um, I taught a few of a couple of them. I have six. Um, most of them took from somebody else cause <laughs> <laughs> sometimes being the mom and they don't like to listen, I, you know, it's oh. better to have someone else teach them. I totally get you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, <laughs> sometimes I make Tim Miller teach them. Okay. You go to him cause I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's funny. And and you know, Tim was a good teacher too. He was another person. He was like only like only the second person that ever taught me anything about music too. Right. So he and he was a trumpet player. And yeah, so were you? Yep, yep. So it, it that was one of those things where I, you know, you'd sit down with somebody that that's their main instrument. Um, Tim's like you; he can play every instrument, everything. You yep. know, so uh, it's one of those deals when you sit down with somebody that's their main instrument. It's it's blatantly obvious and how good he is at it. You know, and you're like, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get that good. And I. I it was just as inspirational as it was detrimental where you're just like, look how good this guy is. And then at the same time, you're like, God damn, look how good this guy is. You yeah. Know? It's kind of funny. You were talking about that because I had my, I had a horn student for the first time. I think she's a sophomore, but at McSweeney's at last night. And she, she was like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I was telling her all tricks, you know, do this. And she's like, Oh my gosh, that worked, you know, means a specialty instrument you know you can tell them all the easier ways to make things work Mm -hmm. and that's what's neat about you know take giving kids lessons Mm -hmm. and then they go oh my goodness you do know what you're talking about (laughs) do you think it's easier to um like as far as guitar playing there are like there's no right or wrong way to play a lot of things on guitar. Um, a lot of it is just based on how well your fingers bend or how big they are. Like, can you actually hit these frets? And if not hit this set instead, and it makes pretty much the same chord and things like that. So there's quote unquote shortcuts you can take. I call them tricks. Yes. Um, is it better to teach someone, um, the long route and then teach them the shortcut or is it, you know, cause I guess, well, here's a funny story. Okay. Um, when I was growing up, you know, 
Um, I would sneak out of pretty much every class and go to the band room saying I had a lesson, but I really didn't. But anyway, until I got caught. But um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking about um, uh, taking the shortcuts versus taking oh, the Okay, the so run. what I was, mental moment, I um, didn't get beat by anybody in any competition until I went to Iowa State and then one kid beat me and I'm like, what the heck, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I, I being bold, I went to my teacher and I'm like, basically, what the heck? And he goes, well, you won't listen to me when I tell you how to do things easier. And in my mind, I was thinking, no, I'm going to do it this way because that's the way you're supposed to do it. And then when I got beat by somebody, I'm like, okay, maybe I better start listening. Mm-hmm. And then I never got beat again. But... Now, I, why would you work real, real hard and maybe never get it when, if you do this, it will work and you the goal is to play it right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, nobody cares if you're doing it, you know, the easy way or the hard way. Mm-hmm. They just want that note. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do a lot of tricks. I mean, a, a easier way to do combinations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's... I've always struggled with that as far as being a guitar instructor where it's like, well, this is, you know, this is how you play an A chord. It's three fingers. You put them all right next to each other right here. And some people have an issue with that. And it's like, well, there's, there's ways around this. If you got bigger fingers, you can just use two fingers. If you can't mush all three together next to each other. And that's, I mean, me with bigger hands, that's usually what I do. Bad mm-hmm. part about that is it doesn't lend you to as much chord switching. Um, so like there are downfalls to every shortcut I would right, have to right. imagine. But I always found it difficult whether or not to teach somebody the shortcut right away or well, to try to let them go through and figure it out. Right. Well, you want them to learn it and do it correctly. But then when that doesn't work, you know, you give them other options. Now, I'm not saying I use tricks all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you you do it correctly, but there are circumstances where, you know, a trick works and it's like, good. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Makes total sense. Um, On horn, there's so many different ways to finger a certain note and... You know, you just have to figure out the combination that works best to hit it correctly. Yeah, that actually, you know, now that you say that, that was one of the craziest things about a trumpet um, was when somebody explained to me how the whole thing was made. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you hit the middle one down, you go up a half step. And if you hit the the first uh, key down, then you're going up a whole step. And if you hit the back one, you're going up a step and a half. Or you can hit the first two, and it's the same as just the back one, sort of, you know. Yeah, um, maybe a little bit out of tune. But yeah, in the yes. right circumstance, the combination to get through it, you, you need to use something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Because your fingers can't go that fast it, or something. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, I, I guess I never really thought too much about that. Um, and that's and that's one of the things that I wish I would have stuck with trumpet. Um, and, Me too. <laughs> well, I'm. A, I wasn't very good. B, I didn't practice. So that was the reason why I wasn't very good. But you so could have been. I could you have. You just yeah, didn't. didn't. It wasn't your thing at that moment. Exactly. Um, and and I, now you regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I still have it, and I can still sort of play a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But at, at the same rate, like, it's... You've moved to the guitar. It's You know, sometimes you start on one thing, and then you find your passion somewhere else. But in truth, it's all music. It is all, yeah. And 
you know, that's, it's not like you didn't take the things you learned from playing trumpet and put it towards guitar, uh, reading pitches. I mean, reading notes, um, rhythm. Yep. I mean, like one of the craziest things when I first started learning guitar, that was what somebody told me. They said, take some of the musical things you learn from trumpet and then just put them into guitar. And I was like, how do you do that? Cause the stuff I learned on trumpet involves blowing through a thingy with your mouth, you know, and the trumpet or the guitar is just all fingers and strings, you know, it's like, right. but I never really thought too much about like rhythm dynamics and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's stuff that I, I had taken for granted until I started trying to teach people. Um, I mean, we talked early in the podcast about how rhythm is one of the, the toughest things it seems for people that, um, have never practiced it to understand, you right, know, sna- right. snapping. It all has the- to fit in this beat. Yep. Yep. And, uh, or like if you miss a note, how to get back on the beat or if right. you, you can't stop, you skip it and go. Don't stop. That's, the hard- <laughs> that's hard. That's the hardest to thing teach. to teach somebody is don't stop. Um, I mean, that was hard for me too, because if I would make a mistake, I, I would want to fix it mm-hmm. right away. And when you're playing with a group, you cannot fix, you B- go. <laughs> Bingo. That was the benefit of being in a, in a larger band was just like, the, the other 80 people don't know I messed up and I'm going to stop and play my note right. So they're, yeah, If they're everybody just... sat and stopped when they made a mistake, there'd be nobody at the end of me <laughs> waving my arms and going, oh, no. Oh, man. You know, that was just one of the things. You just got to keep going. And that was, that was so hard for me to uh, learn at first. But now it's second nature, you know, right. where you just... You just keep going. And I mean, that'd be like me saying, I, I've never m- messed up at a show or something like that's, you know, it's BS. I've definitely messed up. <laughs> Everybody's, yeah. even professionals, the very, very, very best, they make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's the funnest thing is recovering from it and realizing that it's possible to recover from it. I've talked right. with other musicians where it's like, when I play at like jam nights and things like that, where it's a whole bunch of other musicians in the crowd for the most part, you know, it's like 50, 50 mix of musicians and people just watching. And then if you like make a mistake, it's always way more nerve wracking when there's other musicians around, you know, but it's, but at the same rate, playing for your peers is hard, but at the same rate, the thing I also understand uh, after talking to some of these people is, is they know that that happens. So they're, they're more accepting of, of these mistakes. The other end of that is maybe the person in the crowd that doesn't play music doesn't even know you made a mistake, you know? So so there could be that situation too. So just keep trucking through it, you know? And I mean, I've always, I've always found that when I first started doing improvisation and stuff like that, I would show up and do blues jams and things like that. And I'd start playing blues stuff and, and all of a sudden you hit one note that's not in the key and you're just like, oh gosh. And then you, you look You just down. go on to the good, the yep. one that fits yep. right you away. You slide and... next to it, just keep going. And you know, and that's, it's tough to learn. It's a really tough uh, thing to learn as far, I mean, as far as I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and be like, how difficult would it be to teach the things that you taught? And in my very minuscule amount of, of guitar lesson instructing that I've done, that's easily the hardest thing is, is, is rhythm and just keep, just keep going and, and don't stop. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of, but it, there is, sorry, no, there is it. where you have to, um, when you get to the end, go back and practice that part that messed you up. Yes. I mean, if you keep going back to the beginning, play it again, same mistake, you're not getting better. Mm -hmm. So there is a point where you have to go back and practice it, but not when you're performing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or playing with a group, you have to go. (laughs) Yes. Um, That was one of my, uh, in Unity, that's what one of the guys in there, uh, Sean, always said that uh, when we all show up to play together, it's a rehearsal, not a practice. You practice on your own time Absolutely. and rehearse, yeah. rehearse with yeah. everybody. And that, you know, that was something I took to heart. And it's like, I'm going to show up prepared to do this and not, right. not you waste want, everybody's. If you want to keep performing in these groups and getting asked for others, you have to be prepared. Yes, yes. Um, and that's, you know, something 
I, I never thought too much about it because I was always somebody that's like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So, of course, I'm going to come prepared. But um, you start to uh, intermingle with other bands and things like that and, and ask other people how things like that go. And it's like, I don't know, like we have 14 songs. We gave this guy a list of all of them. He learned one of them and showed up to practice. It's like, ah, so that would, that would you know, is it? It's, it's not like you're wasting people's time, but it'd, it'd be frustrating, you know, as, as a band trying to find a new person to come fit in and they right, didn't right. put the time in to, in to learn it. And, um, you know, you probably wouldn't get asked back uh, more than likely not. Um, but at the same rate, like, um, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different dynamic being in like a four piece, like hobby band than it is to be in like a school band or to be in a, an orchestra type, type situation. I'm sure it's not that much different, but, um, sometimes it's when you have so few people sitting around, everyone's got to get along really well because you're the only people right. there where I feel like if you have a giant orchestra of like 80 people, you can have people that don't even like each other and they're on opposite sides of the stage and it doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I mean, when everybody's playing, it's not like you're talking to them or hating them. Mm-hmm. You just are working together. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing, you don't like, even get to talk to them cause you're You've got something in your mouth. You're blowing. Yep. You're playing. Yeah. Plus, the audience doesn't get to see you guys interact before, during, and after your performance. Right. Like, uh, I guess a lot of the bar shows that I play, that seems to be a, a commonplace thing where you get um, you get to see the bands before, during, and after. You know, and it's uh, something that I, you know, there's another thing going to these like little independent shows and things like that. I never really thought too much about that was the ability, like the accessibility of of the musicians um, as far as playing. Um, bigger shows or or playing in a bigger band um like in a symphony or something like that is there any sort of that like accessibility to the musicians like are you guys meandering around before the show or after the show you know well yes i mean you while we're in intermission we're you know talking in the halls or just going over fingerings or whatever Mm -hmm. you know I mean, you talk to people. You don't talk to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, the I mean, ones around you. Usually I just talk to the brass people mm-hmm. because we're, we're rude and funny. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, It's and that's, fun. And that's the other For thing. the most part, I play with people I really enjoy being oh, that's, around. So. That's good. I mean, that's... They have the same mentality as me. That's one of the things <laughs> I, I feel like is the most difficult for any musician. Um, might not be playing the stuff, but it might be getting along with the people that you're playing stuff with. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think it would be more like in a hobby situation like I'm in, it would definitely be a little bit more difficult than, like I said, in a situation like you're in where right. you're playing with a whole bunch of other band instructors right. and things like I, that. I don't think I've ever played in something where I didn't like the people around me and yeah. things. So yeah, I mean that's that's kudos to you. Uh, it's it's not always easy to do that. I guess if it's you not like to. we were competing against each other. We were. I'm this chair. I play this. I'm not competing. Or we're not trying to outdo each other. Mm-hmm. We're just making music. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that maybe that just comes down to the dynamic of the whole entire thing. Because uh, I mean, if you want to find I, like somebody hit me up the other day and they're like, "I'm looking for a drummer. Do you know any?" And it's like, oh, I don't know. I know dozens and dozens of them, but like, are they in your area? Is, who's willing to right. drive? Um, right. And how much do you get paid? Is it worth their time? Exactly. You know, it, does this person? Do they like this type of music? Bingo. And that's, do they want to play in a dance band or what? Do they want to? What is the situation you're going to play? Yeah, and I mean. When you take it down to the music that you listen to while you're driving around in your car, mm-hmm. people are a lot more emotionally attached to 
their own style of music right. and things like that. Right. So you might end up in a situation where it's like this band wants you to play in their band. Don't really like this but music, really like, but, but I want to play. But I'll do it, you know. So right. so then you might end up, end up in a situation where it's like maybe all of our personalities don't quite fit, you know, and it might cause a rift, might not, might make a new friendship. You never know. But it's it's right. that's easily one of the most difficult things I've found was literally just traversing the social nature of of the music scene Mm -hmm. and granted like you and i have like completely different spectrums of the music scene that we're (laughs) traveling in you know but it's 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 one of those things i've always thought like what are the parallels and what are the differences between what you're doing and what i'm doing and you know i guess it's all making music yeah it is you're right you're right it all is it all making music um whether or not somebody wants wants to hear it that's another story um, (laughs) well different type people go to your concerts than go to my symphony concerts you know what i mean i'm sure you don't have very many long-haired denim wearing you know back patches with iron maiden on them and stuff (laughs) well there might be but yeah probably not yeah (laughs) what do you think uh what do you think the most fun you've had playing an instrument is. Let me ask you that one. Um, I'm sure you've got... in, in a group or playing my instrument at, at all. Like a, it could be like a, a solo thing where it's like this was the best solo I ever played. It was the most mm-hmm. fun thing I, I did. A competition. It could be... usually for me, it's not the solo part. I'm kind of a team player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I play solos, but I think the most fun I have playing is either with Jive for Five or when I played in Rockestra. I really loved playing rock and roll because as a French horn player, you don't get to play that kind of music. Yeah. And as a horn player, you don't get to play in jazz band. So I played trumpet in jazz band. I mean, so I, I don't know, probably playing in Rockestra and Jive for Five were my favorite things to play that's awesome so stepping outside of what you normally had played you know um which would be like you know symphony big symphony bands, king band you know stuff like um, that yeah that's, playing in orchestra was totally 100 percent different that's awesome so like uh, i guess i never really thought too much about the fact that you pl- you play french horn in orchestra and i did and jive because for, it and in jive for five ah yeah oh cool so yeah. I, mean, I play french horn for everything <laughs> <laughs> So that's, and you know, I guess I never really would have thought that French horn would have fit in a situation like that, but that might... As orchestra? Yeah, that might be... Well, because it was, I mean, we had trombones, trumpets, French horns for the, and then we had violins and cellos and the woodwinds. Mm-hmm. So we all fit together. We had, um, we had drummers, we had, we had set, drum sets, and then we had, you know, different kinds of guitars and oh, that's cool. everything. Do you know if that's uh, like any of Keyboard? the Jive for Five or Rockestra? Do you know if any of that stuff is available to like listen to online anywhere? Oh, yeah. You can look up Rockestra, um, Sioux City Rockestra, and you can hear tons of, we have tons of videos on there. Cool. Um, Jive for Five has three CDs out. Cool. Rockestra has CDs out. I mean... Yeah, uh, can... I'm assuming they're probably available to purchase online somewhere. Yes, right. yes. I'll I'll hunt those down if I can find <laughs> them. We'll, we'll check those out. But uh, you know, you know, that's it's been a really good, fun conversation. I mean, when we initially went into this, um, you were concerned that our our styles differed, and like you didn't know exactly what we were going to talk about for an hour. But I, you know, believe it or not, we've got 55 ish minutes in here already. Oh, wow. So so, wow. <laughs> so and you know, it's it's one of those things. I just want to say like. Thank you for whether or not you knew it, you kind of started me on this path of learning music. And I, 
I only did music pretty much because my parents wanted me to. Right. Um, neither one of them played, so I had nobody else around in my life that that wanted to teach me music or, or give me any. Sort Aren't you of... glad they made you? Yeah, actually, you know. You cause... know, I've never ever heard anybody say, "I'm glad I quit music." That's true. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> that's, and that's brilliant. I've never heard that. You know what? Um, it's off topic, but it it's sayings like that that make me really sit down and, and rethink the way some things go. Cause it's, it's like I said, it's off topic, but I heard somebody on a podcast say the other day, I've never heard somebody say, I wish I was, I still drank, you right. know, if they, no. if they quit I mean, drinking, you know, for whatever reason they quit, you know, it's, it's the exact same thing. I never really thought about that. You know, I never really thought that anybody would ever never want to have learned music, you know? Right. And what people don't realize, think about every situation you have, um, church weddings in your car funerals everything has music in it mm-hmm. so is is music important in people's lives yes they just may may not realize it but it's really important in life i i remember recently every in- event you go to has music basketball games have yes. music yep. yeah everything football does. games everything uh yeah i mean music is so popular now that it's become like one of the focal points of the Super Bowl. You know, it's like they're taking an hour out of the center of the game to play a concert for you. I wish I was there to watch it too. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, You know, that was another thing I saw online. Like, what what would you do if you had like a concert that in the middle they stopped and played a football game? Well, (laughs) marching, we do that at football games now. Oh yeah, marching. They play and then band goes out. Yeah, that makes sense. We only get 15 minutes, but maybe I can push for more. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the other things, I guess. You you got field marching, you've got street marching, you've got pep band, you've got big band, you've got solo performance. There's a lot more you've got to... jazz band. Jazz band. There's a lot, a lot more to think about when you sit and think about what you're teaching kids how to play. And, and... What's cool about it is... Um, say for example, marching band might not be my favorite, but then when we get into concert band, that is your favorite, you know, do you just kind of go through each thing and, and by the end, everybody's had something that that's their favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I totally miss. That's why people are different. You like different things. It's okay. Yeah. And that actually relays itself to why when kids, uh, we went to school with would go to college and play in the college. Some of them played in, um, you know, the big band. Some of them played in pet band. Some of them did marching band. And some and, of them had their own bands like you. Yeah. And, you know, I never really thought too much about, like, why would somebody want to go to a school and then just, just play in the pet band? It's like, well, maybe it's because that's what they like. Because it's fun. Yeah. And it, it honestly is some of the most fun you can have playing a, a horn, just sitting, you know, in the corner of a room and just blaring out some stuff, you know, a low rider <laughs> or whatever it happens to be, you know, and that was also really fun was the the fact, you know, that's probably why you liked uh, Rockestra and Jive for Five so much. And, and, you know, when I would play in school, it's like, we're going to play Chameleon, you know, yep. and Pet Band or, or whatever it happened to be, a Vehicle, you know, all these old 70s and 80s rock tunes. And you're like, oh, this is so much fun to play, yeah. you know. What I, uh, truthfully, if you ask me what I listen to in, in my car when I drive, it's either sim- the Symphony Station or it's the 70s. Because <laughs> on XM Radio, mm-hmm. I listened to the 70s music, and I and I was thinking about it the other day. The reason I think I loved it so much was it was my era, but it actually had real instruments in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I love. Yeah, I you know, and that comes back to um, I mean, it's all music, but I've I've kind of drilled this home a few times in the podcast where like I play in a punk band where it's like 
mostly power chords, which is just like a first, a fifth, and an octave. It's pretty simple stuff right. for the most part. There's a little bit of intricacies here and there. I play in a metal band, and that's um, like half power chords and some lead stuff going on. And so it's a little bit more intricate, but um, God, I forgot where I was going with this. Whatever. But different types of music. Oh, yeah. So, like, you can lend yourself to these different styles of music. Um, and Well, it's variety. Everybody loves variety. Yes. If it, everything was the same every day, mm-hmm. or everything you played was the same every day, it would be boring. Yes. Um, you know, and, like, uh, as far as being able to play, like, blues and playing punk and playing metal and stuff like that, I've, you know, I've, I'm starting to traverse the different genres of playing the guitar and, and figure out exactly what goes on in these genres to, to make them click. Uh, but there's still other genres I haven't even touched, like country. Right. You, you, you listen to country, and you're like, well, this is, oh, shoot. You listen to country, and you're like, oh, this, is, this is easy, you know? And then you actually like look at what they're doing. You're like, that's not easy. They're doing a lot of chicken picking and sliding. I don't picture sliding. you playing country no. music, though, but <laughs> it might be fun. <laughs> I'd love to learn how. Some of those, I mean, and that just comes back to it's... As good as you get at any instrument, you can still sit next to somebody else that plays There's something. There's always better people. Somebody's always. better at doing something. Maybe yep. not the whole instrument. And that's okay. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, like like I said earlier, like I can play blues stuff and improv, but there's people that can't do that, but they can shred like crazy on the right. guitar, play 64th notes and do all sorts of crazy scales and arpeggios <laughs> and sweeps. And it's like, uh, I don't know how to do any of that, but this guy doesn't know how to improv somehow, you know? So yeah. we, it's two completely different <laughs> things. And it, it took me a while to realize that I like, with the way I view my talent, it might not be the way somebody else views my talent, true, you know? True. So, um, I, I remember the one, one note I missed, and played a thousand perfectly, you know yep, what I mean? Yep. Everybody thinks, oh, she's so good. And you're going, I missed that note. Dang it. Yes, yes. And it's always tough, like, afterwards. I remember the one thing, yep. you know? Especially it's hard. after the thing is all done and everyone's coming up and congratulating you, saying, you did good, and, you know, and all this other stuff. And you're just like, you just want to tell them, like, I suck. But, you know, at the same time, <laughs> like, they don't understand. I had a teacher once that, you know, if you didn't feel like you played it well, but other people did... Um, somebody comes to compliment you, you just say, thank you. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, you don't go, oh, but I missed this. No, we screwed that up. Nope. Just yeah. plain thank you. Yep. Just tell them thank you. And I mean. Because they enjoyed it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have told you that. So just take the compliment and be happy. Bingo. <laughs> I mean, that can go, um, that can not only go just for music, that can go to any facet of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as far as somebody uh, complimenting you or telling you um things about what you're doing. I mean, I've never been one to take compliments very well. I'm not very good at like receiving gifts and things like that. It's just not my thing. I'm not good at it, but I've learned over the years that, um, you do more damage by, like you said, just being like, ah, if people are happy for what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, let them be happy. Let them be happy. Absolutely. Don't drag them down in the mud with you. you I don't want this gift. Yeah, exactly. Don't you compliment me. Don't be nice to me. What's wrong with you? Don't like me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this has been a pretty good conversation. We've we've got an hour in, so I I guess I mean this is this might be a good place to stop unless you have something else you want to kind of talk about or or anything else you want to plug. Once again, where are you teaching music? I teach at McSweeney School of Performing Arts in Fort Dodge, and people can contact me from three year old to ninety nine. Cool. Yep. If you're a hundred. Take a hike. No, no, I'm just no. Well, <laughs> <I'll>, 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Uh, um, yeah, one? anything from general music for the little kids or adults, I guess, but piano to any instrument. All instruments? All instruments. Dang. That's all I got to yeah. say is dang. You just contact me um, or McSweeney's and we can set that up. Yeah, that's wild. How many students did you say you have? I think I have 26 uh, right and now. And still looking for more. Well, yeah, you know, I finished teaching at the middle school. I took early retirement and... I wasn't done teaching, mm-hmm. but, you know, the package worked out. Yeah. So now I can do something different. I'm building my own studio, my own students and things. That's so it's cool. kind of doing, I'm doing the same thing, only I, I'm doing it, you know, just for me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. So I can take as many students as I want. Uh, they got a website. Because I'm retired. Retired. Yes. Okay. Cool. I think. Sweet. I'll, uh. I'll, I'll find it and drop that down in the, the description section yeah. of this podcast for everybody to check out. Um, you know, I highly suggest taking private lessons from anybody. Um, right. It's, you know... Blue- it's, it's very rewarding. Bingo. Uh, there's a lot more... I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to school and taking lessons from somebody at school, but when somebody's dividing their time between 100 different people, it's a little... It's you get hard. A, you get a little bit more individualized. You get a few minutes with each one but i teach half hours lessons and i teach hour lessons oh nice more more people are going toward the hour because you get more out of it yes um i found deeper into i found with half hour lessons once you get started once once the motor starts going it's like all right we gotta pack up shop i know know? it it goes very very quickly it's uh and it's fun yeah it's it's a rough one but it's uh you're you're also the thing about music is you're building relationships also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, mean, gosh, that's something I figured out by just doing the podcast and things like that. I never realized how many people actually played music and, and want to talk about it. You know, it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, it really does bring people together. And I mean, like when I was in fifth grade and, um, you know, all the way up through high school, I, I never would have thought that. I mean, I'm granted it's, you know, you're, you're a teenager and you're just like about everything in the world because that's how teenagers are. But, it's, <laughs> but at the same rate, like it's, it really does bring everyone together. You know, um, you were talking in every situation in life, it, music brings people together. Yeah. You're talking, it was in, it's in literally everything you do in life, um, movies and the whole nine yards, everything. As a matter of fact, I saw somebody, uh, rescored the music to, um, Star Wars and put it into certain clips so you can watch these clips from Star Wars with the music that's been changed and it totally changes the way the mu- like the movie is if you don't know what the movie I, is you'll have to tell me about that I'll, I'll have to show it to you afterwards here but it was like one of those scenes I remember was uh, Darth Vader was talking he like shows up to talk to one of the generals on on the ship or whatever and uh, Darth Vader is supposed to be really ominous, like he's going to come in here and like be mean to everybody and stuff like that. And they played, they made it like a love song. And, <laughs> and so Darth Vader shows up and these two guys are staring into each other's eyes, you know? Oh and it's my like, gosh. You know, it makes, it totally changes the way things go. So, you know, music invoking emotion is one of those things Absolutely. that, uh, you know, it don't take your hobby for granted if, you know, Somebody probably likes what what you're doing, you know, and um, if they don't, you definitely should, because otherwise... As long as you enjoy it, it doesn't matter. Bingo. That's that's a perfect way to leave this conversation. <laughs> as long as you like it, it doesn't matter. So, if it brings you joy, do it. Absolutely. Uh, Kathy, this has been great. Kathy Yoakum, um, the first person who ever taught me anything about music. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. You got me started Thank on this you. journey. Um, I'll drop links and stuff down below. Thanks, All right. Thanks for doing... Thank you. Yep. 
What a great way to end the episode. As long as you like it, go ahead and do it. That's, uh, you know, music is one of those things that if you have it as a hobby, um, whether you make money at it, you don't make money at it, you just like doing it by yourself with others in a band, in the basement, in the garage, on the stage, at bars, you know, wherever. It's, it's amazing. It's tons of fun. And this was a great episode with somebody who has, well, quite honestly, been a lifelong teacher of music. And uh, she's got her head in the right spot for teaching music. It, uh, positivity is definitely there. The optimism. And it's, it's one of those things that not everybody can be a teacher. I'm, I'm learning that as I, as I instruct people through guitar. It's, it's not always easy. I bounced a couple ideas off her in this lesson. And uh, maybe if anybody else is a guitar instructor, uh, you can draw some things out of this lesson or out of this uh, podcast as well. You know, And it's, it's kind of fun to sit down and talk with somebody that taught you so much about music that they don't, I, you know, it's kind of, I think it kind of surprised her that I still remembered some of the fingerings for the trumpet and things like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of fun to realize that, you know, 15, 20 years later, you still remember some of this stuff and, and the things that people taught you and the effect they had on your life, you know, uh, you know, might not have known it then, but I know it now that that uh, got me started on this fun path that I have, um, as long as, you know, as far as playing music goes, uh, with the guitar and on stage. And, uh, you know, I like to dabble around with some other instruments here and there, you know, I like I mentioned in the podcast, I have a drum set. I'm not good at it, but I like to play it. It's fun, you know, and that's that's literally what it comes down to is just having fun doing what you're doing, and, uh, you know, all the rest will fall in place as it should. And it's pretty awesome. I got to sit down and, and talk with Kathy on this episode. I, I believe this is the first time I have had a uh, parent and child both on, on the podcast. So I actually did have uh, Sarah Baldus was episode number 43, and Sarah is Kathy's daughter. And, uh, you know, that's uh, kind of fun to have a, a parent and their child both be on here. You know, Kathy talked a little bit about how she, you know, wanted all of her children to learn music and things like that so she kind of helped them along that path and uh you know if you like this one i highly suggest listening to the episode with her daughter uh it's 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 not a whole lot different because sarah also did go into teaching for quite a while and and then went into the private end of teaching and and still does private lessons uh her you know both of them have very full plates as far as giving private lessons and it's it's wild to think that there's you know people out there that know how to play literally every instrument so, uh, you know, that's just kind of cool. I want to say thanks once again to Kathy for uh, taking some time out of her day. I caught her right in the middle of her day, and uh, I really appreciate her, you know, taking some time out and talking to me. Uh, I know she was nervous about this, but I, you know, I was, I was just as nervous. I tried my best not to let on. Um, it's kind of weird sitting down with somebody that taught you this much about music uh, or got you started on this. You know, I went a little nostalgic in some parts of this podcast and it's it's just it's really fun i had a really great time thanks kathy i really appreciate it thank you for sitting down talking with me i also want to say thanks to couchtown coffee sponsoring us every single week it's it's been amazing it's the best coffee i've had in a long time it's uh easily one of my favorite coffees that's not an exaggeration even in the slightest bit it is so good check it out www.couchtowncoffee.com Enter that code word this week, JIVE, when you make an order. Save 20%. How can you beat that? It's unbeatable. Hey, while you're also checking things out, I want to let everybody know once again that Rock and Picnic Winter Party is coming up. It is February 22nd, 2020. It starts at 8 o'clock. It is free. Free for free, 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 free. I don't know if I can say that enough. It is free, ladies and gentlemen. 
Why would you not want to go to this? It's amazing. It's in Humboldt, Iowa at Rustics, 8 o'clock, 2-22-2020. J. Clyde Band's going to be there. J. Clyde Band. Love it. It's great stuff. Um, it's a band full of, of just amazing musicians. I love it. You guys got to check them out live. They've got a YouTube channel with some music videos and stuff. Check that out, too, while you're at it. J. Clyde Band. It's going to be a fun one. 2-22-2020. Check it out. Hey, while you're also checking things out on the internet, go to www.audiblefarm.com. You can find all the Audible Farm stuff there. Uh, links to where you can listen, watch, uh, subscribe, rate, review, uh, poke, message, email, fax. Uh, well, okay, well, I might be going a little overboard, but yeah, you get the picture. Everything's there. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. Uh, places where we host the podcast, places where you can listen. You can listen directly from the website, so if you stumbled upon this episode somehow and you're like i don't know how to ever find this podcast again just go to audiblefarm.com all the stuff's right there you can listen right from the website so it's super easy check it out oh man oh this is a good one this was a really good episode i had tons of fun sitting down talking with kathy i want to say thanks once again to kathy thank you guys for listening uh wouldn't be a podcast without people listening so uh really appreciate you guys uh joining me on this uh, fun adventure you know 72 episodes in holy cow i never even i don't know i guess i never thought i would get this far with it but uh i don't know i'm just gonna keep going it's fun there's so many people around that are doing things that are entertaining artistic music wise and of value to uh their community so i'm just gonna sit down and talk with as many people as i can hope you guys enjoy listening to next week's episode it's going to be just as good as this one, I promise. So let's uh, let's keep the ball rolling. Word of mouth works great when you want to share things. Otherwise, share it on social media, at Audible Farm, everywhere. I really appreciate you guys listening every single week. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, tune into the Regional Rock Hour on 92.1, and you might hear a familiar voice this week. Uh, I'm going to be on the radio tomorrow, so check out the Regional Rock Hour 92.1 anybody in northern iowa it's gonna be a great show i'll check you guys all here next week peace